Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Eastern Border listeners, this is Joe from the Latvia Weekly Podcast. In May of this year, my co-host Otto and I came up with the idea of starting free English courses for the many Ukrainian refugees who have sought shelter here in Latvia from the Russian War of Aggression. English is important as the most spoken language in Europe, helpful to the employability of the refugees during their stay in Latvia, and is also needed in the future as Ukrainians have chosen the path of Euro-Atlantic integration for their country. At the same time, opportunities to study English here for free had been lacking for refugees. So in August, we launched the Integration for Ukraine project at the Baltic Security Foundation, and this has been made possible with the help of a very generous grant from the U.S. Embassy in Riga. So far, it's enabled more than 140 students to receive English language instruction from internationally experienced instructors, both in person and via video calls. With the current resources, the project will continue until the end of December. But unfortunately, as you hear about on Kristaps' podcast every single day, the situation in Ukraine is still not stable enough for most people to return home, and a number of students have asked whether lessons will still be able to continue after the current courses finish at the end of this year. That is why we are turning to you for help. Aside from just providing English skills, these classes have helped participants regain a sense of normalcy and give them something positive to do, while here in Latvia, that could have a huge impact on their futures. We would like to continue offering a new round of courses in January 2023 that would allow our current students to continue their studies and for new sign-ups to access this opportunity as well. One eight-week course, which is three hours per week, costs 1,600 euros to run, including the teacher salary, the rental of premises, including heating, all required study materials, and also basic accounting. We are setting a goal of 8,000 euros, which would allow the project to continue with another full set of five parallel courses. We hope to raise the full amount, but we will be glad to organize as many courses and lessons that the raised funds permit, even if it's below the goal, so that we can reach as many refugees as possible. We'd be very much grateful for the opportunity to keep this project going. So if this sounds like something that you might be interested in helping and able to support, then you can go to www.latviaweekly.com and find out where to donate. As we say in Latvian, Lils Baldias. Thank you very, very much. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This uh, longer episode is going to be dedicated to our friends at Wagner Group. Oh, you know them. If you've been following this war and listening to this podcast for any amount of time, really, you do know that we have a special admiration here for... Admiration in the worst sense of the word for Prigozhin's men. You know, the guys who like smashing heads with with hammers and um, who are known to conscript criminals and who are amidst the most brutal fighting force Russia has in Ukraine. But now, Wagner Group did not arise because of the war in Ukraine. 
They were very active in Syria, and I've been following their activities there since 2018 when I dedicated the whole episode to the Wagner Group. But this is not the only country where they have been um, doing things, so to speak, and doing things here encompasses a um, huge amount of activities, including extortion, murder, torture, all sorts of fun activities you would expect from people who are subordinate to Prigozhin. And you see, there's a group called uh, the All Eyes on Wagner Project, and they have just released a new report on the activities of Wagner Group mercenaries in Mali during the paramilitary group's first year in the country. And, you know, these analysts, they collected information from open sources, media reports, witness testimony, human rights activities, and everything else they could. And there's... There's a lot of the situation here, but I'll, I'll skip past the original thing here, because, you know, Mali government's facing their own issues, and, um, well, the report's authors basically conclude that not only have Wagner fighters not helped Malian authorities, they have further aggravated the security situation in the country. But, in the end, here we want to look at Wagner Group's brave adventures in Africa! Ugh. I hate my optimism sometimes in my bizarre voice when I'm doing this. But it's important to take a look at what they do in other countries to understand that, you know, the events in Ukraine are not just one of thing that Russia does. And a lot of people have complained that I ignore activities and crimes happening elsewhere while the Ukraine war is going on. Well, this is the response here. And once again, if you look at the so-called Global South, so to speak, you don't see Russia being an honorable actor there. Instead, you see quite the opposite. You see Russia, once again, performing atrocities and just doing the same, but a bit worse. Because these uh, neo-Nazis, because they frankly are neo-Nazis, although they hate Ukrainians, they at least have some begrudging respect. See, for the past ten years... Malian authorities have been fighting Islamist separatists who have captured territory in the northern part of the country. The French military, followed by United Nations peacekeeping forces, have been present in the country since 2013. There have been two coup d'etats in Mali since 2020, which resulted in Assimi Goita becoming the country's interim president. And in August 2022, after relations between the French military and the Malian military junta deteriorated, the last French soldiers who had taken part in Mali's anti-terrorist operations left the country. News broke in September 2021 that in the wake of the break in relations with the Western Allies, Mali's leadership was discussing the possibility of an agreement with Wagner Group. According to Western media reports, Russian mercenaries were supposed to train Malian soldiers and provide security for high-ranking officials. The Russian Ministry of Defense even confirmed the deal's existence, but emphasized that Russian authorities had nothing to do with it. The West condemned the decision to deploy Wagner Group units in Mali, which is, well, blatantly obvious. The authors of the All Eyes on Wagner report note that politicians and organizations associated with the Wagner Group founder, Yevgeny Prigozhin, began preparing public opinion for Russia's increased influence in Mali a few months before any Wagner mercenaries arrived. One pro-Russian campaign featured posters depicting a Goita alongside Vladimir Putin. They are both dressed in military uniforms, holding weapons, and the poster says, People of Mali, support them. Responding to journalists' questions in May, Prigozhin, of, of course, of course, denied that the Wagner Group is in Mali, calling its very existence a legend. 
Uh, four months later, though, he, of course, admitted that he founded the mercenary group in 2014, and now he's admitted that uh, he runs it and owns it, but, but, you know, lies come naturally to the man. And, um, of course, he added, whenever there are Russian mercenaries, real or imagined, they do not violate human rights. Now, obviously, we uh, by now know that it is just simply not true, but uh, to what extent? Well, I think it's important to take a deeper look into this matter. Now, I also have to commend the uh, All Eyes on Wagner project, because it is important to remember that Wagner Group kills journalists who investigate them too closely. If you remember, and I mentioned this back in March 2018 on my show, three Russian journalists were killed in Central African Republic, who were investigating the activities of the Wagner Group there. And one of them was a person that I actually had uh, quite a bit of contact talking with. Quoting a France 24 article, because, you know, ties to the Central African Republic. Quote, Journalists Kirill Radchenko, Alexander Rastorguyev, and Orhan Jemal were killed on Monday in the strife-torn country. On Friday, July 27th, they flew to the Central African Republic to shoot material on the activities of private warfare group Wagner on the country as part of a joint project with the Investigations Management Center. Analysts say Moscow uses the private company so it can play down military activity in countries such as Syria and Ukraine and discount casualties. Hey, guess what? Back in 2018, Wagner Group was already involved in Ukraine. Oh, too bad we didn't notice, really, did we? Hmm. Except, of course, those of us who did. That's the thing. A lot of them have been killed, and Maria Zakharova lied back then, so, you know. This deeper investigation by All Eyes on Wagner Project should be commended because, once again, journalists just simply are not exactly safe in the modern world. But, onto the report itself. The report cites media reports that the companies Alpha Development and Marco Mining, which are associated with Prigozhin, no surprises there, and were started after Wagner's deployment to the country, were actively exploring gold mines in Mali. The news followed earlier reports that Wagner-affiliated companies were exploring and developing gold mines in other African countries where Wagner fighters had been seen, which is, well, basically Libya, Central African Republic, stuff like that. According to the report, a 42-year-old native of Primorsky Krai named Ivan Moslov, codenamed Miron, and two other unnamed commanders led the Wagner mercenaries deployed in Mali. The Ukrainian security service has previously established Moslov's links with the Wagner group. And a database on the Ukrainian website Mirotvorets, which specializes in tracking Russian mercenaries, indicates that Maslov took part in storming the Luhansk airport in 2014, and that he may have been either a witness or a participant, which is why I mentioned this before, in the 2018 murder of Russian journalists in the Central African Republic. Researchers have established that the first Wagner base in Mali was set up not far from the airport in the country's capital of Bamako. Satellite images show that construction began on the camp there in November 2021 and that by the end of September 2022, various structures, including barracks, a few central buildings and warehouses, were visible in the area. The presence of Russian mercenaries in Mali expanded over the course of the year. Data analysis projects ACLED and Metastream show that by mid-July there were nine private military company bases in the country, and operations involving Russian mercenaries were conducted in over 32 locations in central and northeastern Mali. In June, the New York Times reported that there were more than 1,000 Russian mercenaries deployed at roughly 15 bases and checkpoints across Mali. 
Russian mercenaries joined the Malian armed forces in counter-terrorism operations, including against rebels from the jihadist group Jamaat Nursat ul Islam wa al Muslim, uh, or just JNIM, and I budge that pronunciation definitely. During those operations, there were no fewer than six instances of fighters from the joint forces being killed or injured by the jihadists, the report's authors note. After Wagner's soldiers arrived in Mali, local residents began accusing the mercenaries of murder, torture, kidnapping, looting, sexual assault, and intimidation, frequently with the participation of the local military. Malian authorities, it has to be said, are investigating some, um, quote-unquote, exceptional cases. The All Eyes on Wagner document contains several reports and testimonies of mass murder, extrajudicial executions, and I uh, bet some of them happened with a sledgehammer, sexualized violence, solicitations and rapes, arbitrary arrests, looting and intimidation of civilians. In all, according to researchers, Wagner soldiers had a hand in 370 such episodes. In most cases, the violence was directed at members of the Fulani people, who are associated with the armed Islamic groups in Mali. Among the most famous incidents and the best documented by human rights groups are the massacres of civilians in the villages of Dogorfi and Mura, where, by the most conservative estimates, over 330 civilian residents were killed. According to witnesses, in February, Wagner and FAM, that is the Mali Armed Forces, soldiers arrested several local residents who were returning from the market. The report's authors say that Wagner and FAM soldiers went village to village, making arrests and looting. Human Rights Watch reported that around 40 people were arrested and then disappeared, or made to disappear, during this operation. In early March, the charred bodies of at least 35 men were discovered in Dogofrai, among them the missing arrestees. One of the residents, whom Human Rights Groups interviewed, said the bodies were piled up in groups, and some of the victims were blindfolded and, or had their hands tied. According to him, the nature of the injuries indicated that the people had been killed, firearms and knives. Then, later that month, at least another 300 people were killed during a counter-terrorism, quote-unquote, operation in the city of Mura, which was under jihadist control. Witnesses say that in the morning of March 27th, Near the city market, around 30 jihadists exchanged fire with soldiers who arrived by helicopter. As a result, several Islamists, local residents, and at least two foreign soldiers, presumably Wagner Group mercenaries, were killed. Afterwards, witnesses claimed that soldiers searching for rebels blocked the exits to the city, killing everyone who tried to flee, and arresting and interrogating hundreds of civilian residents, mostly men. They confiscated telephones and other valuables during arrests. The detainees were then divided into several groups and selectively killed. Survivors say the members of the Bobo, an ethnic group there, and Bella, a name that has historically been used to refer to slaves in Tuareg society, people were forced to dig mass graves. According to witnesses, the victims of the massacre included both civilians and jihadists who concealed their weapons and tried to hide from the military. The operation ended on March 31st. According to human rights groups, around 100 quote-unquote, white soldiers who were not speaking French, participated. Locals, obviously, suggested they were Russians from the Wagner Group. Jihadists also believe that Wagner Group and FAM soldiers were responsible for the massacre. Now, Malian authorities on this occasion, of course, reported a very successful counter-terrorist organization and operation. 
The country's Ministry of Defense said that between March 23rd and March 31st, 203 terrorists, quote unquote, were killed and another 51 people were arrested. The ministry did not mention any civilian casualties, of course. Participants in the All Lives on Wagner project also spoke to witnesses of other similar events carried out by the Wagner Group in Mali. The report's authors also cite several instances in which Russian mercenaries tried to shift blame for massacres onto French soldiers. On April 21st, the report circulated on social media that a mass burial site was found near the military base in Gossi after the departure of French forces. The report noted that Russians tried to connect the mass grave to the news that French forces had arrested six people near the base during a counter-terrorism operation on the previous day. The French command said that after questioning, the detainees were released or handed over to Malian authorities. Journalists, analysts, and the French general staff came to the conclusion that the Twitter account that first reported the Russian version of events was a fake. No surprise there, connected either to Russian trolls or to mercenaries, but it doesn't really matter which, because they are both run by Evgeny Prigozhin. The French version of events is supported, analysts believe, by the fact that the French left the base on April 19th, handing it over to FAM. After the Russian attempt to discredit the French military, France published a drone photo, or that is, photos, which show Malian military and Russian mercenaries in Gossi on April 20th. On April 21st, a French drone filmed quote-unquote white people in military uniform bringing bodies to the base, covering them with sand and then filming the mass grave. The report's authors suggest that some of the bodies may have been victims of an official FAM counterterrorism operation which took place in the town of Hombori on April 19th. Hombori saw arrests and shootings that day as well as explosion in a FAM car which killed a Wagner soldier, suggesting that Russian mercenaries were involved. Hello there, and thanks for listening to another episode of The Eastern Border. Dear Patreons, thank you more than ever for supporting our show. Your donations are crucial to keep us going, and right now all of your money is going to securing good information for you and to fund Kristov's actual real-life mission to Ukraine to report to you live about the war that is going on there. Also, we would like to use this opportunity to urge you to donate to other organizations that are helping people escape Ukraine safely and to defend the country for those who decide to stay on the ground. One such organization we would like to highlight is the Defending Ukraine Together Come Back Alive movement. Launched in 2014, the Come Back Alive became the biggest organization providing support to the armed forces of Ukraine. You can donate directly from their webpage, comebackalive.in.ua. Remember that no donation is too small. In this situation, every dollar matters. Every cent matters. If you're uncomfortable with giving money to war, they do have a position on their website that they are providing Ukrainian army with laptops, lights, photo equipment, cables, and is not purely military. Perhaps that might change your mind, but remember you can also donate to strictly humanitarian organizations such as the Red Cross and others that are helping people escape Ukraine safely. Please also keep following us on social media for all of your latest updates on Eastern Border on places like Twitter and Facebook. Keep listening, keep yourself informed. That's all from me now. See you online. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In early May, an anonymous source sent all eyes on Wagner photos that had circulated on closed WhatsApp channels a few months earlier. They show the bodies of two men who had been killed. According to the source, the murders are believed to have taken place on March 27th, on a road between towns in central Mali. Military operations and violence against locals were reported at the same time and in the same region as the alleged murders. After examining the photos, analysts concluded that the murdered men were probably GNIM fighters killed in an armed clash with Wagner and FAM soldiers. Judging by the photos, the jihadists were on motorcycles when they encountered the military. They were armed. The photos also included five people, two of whom were black. The report's authors believe one of the men is a FAM fighter based on his uniform. Two more cannot be identified by their uniforms or weapons. The fifth, a white soldier, is wearing a jacket and pants in a camouflage pattern seen on Wagner uniforms in January 2022. The analysts believe he's a Wagner fighter. All eyes on Wagner do not believe. It is possible that there were French soldiers in the photos with the murdered men, since Malian authorities banned them in December 2021 from conducting operations in certain parts of the country, including the region where the murders took place. According to several sources from Mali, Wagner Group mercenaries robbed village residents of money and valuables. According to media reports, Wagner fighters sometimes occupied local homes without the consent of their owners. The All Eyes on Wagner report says that in some cases, in order to avoid information leaks, mercenaries cut off communications to towns. In September, local WhatsApp channels blamed Russian fighters for attacking a convoy carrying gold. The drivers of the convoy were allegedly injured and tied up during the attack. All eyes on Wagner suggests that Malian authorities were unable to pay the mercenaries monthly for their services, something sources who spoke to other journalists involved in the project, well, you know, that this was confirmed, apparently. There were also media reports of FAM fighters and Russian mercenaries attacking women in the village of Nia Oro. Wagner fighters reportedly forced them to undress and took pictures with them, after which several local women were sexually assaulted. The Malian army subsequently announced an investigation into the incident. The All Eyes on Wagner report says that Wagner fighters' participation in Malian authorities' quote-unquote counter-terrorism operations did not lead to the operation's success. In fact, the presence of private military company Wagner exacerbated the security situation in the country. In May, the United Nations reported that the number of human rights violations committed by the Malian military against civilians increased by a factor of 10 between the end of 2021 and the first quarter of 2022. ACLED estimates that FAM and PMC Wagner fighters killed at least 456 civilians between January and April of this year. In October, the United States reported that the number of terrorist attacks in Mali only increased by 30% in the past half year, following the arrival of Russian mercenaries. Many Malians have been forced to leave the country because of the ongoing conflict, mostly for neighboring Mauritania. According to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, more than 15,000 Malian citizens 
have resettled in the country's border regions since January 2022. This, by the way, note that the total population of Mali is uh, 21.7 million people. But like I said, Wagner Group is not just there in Ukraine or Mali or Syria. They're also in Libya, and we have reports on that as well, and by no means they are any more reinforcing any joy or feelings of happiness. Prigozhin, in a way, has set his eyes on Africa the same way China has, except when China does its economical takeovers, they at least, you know, do not exactly rape and humiliate and murder local people. You see, Prigozhin's troops do not care about the locals, they do not care about the government that has invited them there in their own foolishness. The government would like to have some stability in their country. Meanwhile, Prigozhin only cares about enriching his own pockets and, you know, finding some gold mines, some oil, oil wells, something like that, that could bring in large amounts of profit. If you remember, back in uh, 2018, this is how Wagner Group, about 200 members of Wagner Group, got decimated by the United States soldiers. Because they decided that, hey, some Kurds hold this oil well in Syria, and we could just go and attack them. Well, what ended up happening was them being blown to bits because, still, they did not have enough night fighting equipment. Now, we can see the same results here in Ukraine, because, you know, not like the general quality of the total army has increased, but right now I do have to say that Wagner Group have gotten a lot of equipment. To the point where, well, you know, it's also kind of illegal for them to exist under Russian law, since such companies are totally illegal, and, um, yeah, they're also the only private military warfare company with, with aircraft and tanks and everything. And no one knows how they got them, because, you know, obviously Putin denies any involvement in this. But I don't want to finish on this just yet, because, um, yeah, like I said, Libya. See... Back in the August of 2021, BBC Investigation found a Samsung tablet left by a fighter of the Wagner Group, which exposed its key role as well as traceable fighter codenames, and that was back when Russia denied any links to the Wagner Group, and when Prigozhin actually went out of his way to sue people that were even comparing him to Wagner Group and connecting them in any way possible. See, that's the thing. Although the conflict in Libya ended in ceasefire in October 2020, I mean, they still quite much are very close there. The group used to be notoriously secretive. Then we started hearing things from Libya. The group openly admits that they kill prisoners, something that an ex-fighter freely stated, quote, no one wants an extra mouth to feed. And one Libyan villager described how he played dead as his relatives were killed. His testimony helped the BBC team identify a suspected killer. A Libyan government soldier also recalls how a comrade, his friend, surrendered to Wagner forces but was shot twice in the stomach. The soldier has not seen him since, nor three other friends taken away at the same time. The Samsung tablet also provided BBC at the time more evidence of the mercenaries' involvement in the mining and booby-trapping of civilian areas. And, uh, yeah, they obviously did not mark them because that would not be a war crime, and, you know, Wagner Group is the kind of guys who not only do war crimes, they take great pride in them. Now, once again, I have to remind you that you heard the terrible execution on this very show of a Russian prisoner who had volunteered to, you know, go there and fight with them and then surrender and all that stuff, and then he was brutally executed with a sledgehammer. Yeah, you know, they sell souvenirs 
with a sledgehammer there, because this is another first case. After Russia being uh, called officially a terrorist organization by the EU, Wagner Group also sent a sledgehammer to the EU Parliament, which is which is just how they love it. Just to remind you that uh, I, I was exposed to waterboarding uh, for a bit in a very controlled environment as a part of my practice for my very first trip to Ukraine, and I can admit that it was one of the most horrific experiences in my life, and... These guys take pride in their violence and in their brutality and the fact that they don't care. I think Hague is too good for them. Since when we're talking about landmines, we're talking about things that are going to kill for ages. Since again, there's a new article about this that has come up on May 31st, 2022. That came out by Human Rights Watch. And uh, in this article, Lama Fakih, Middle East and North Africa director at Human Rights Watch, stated, quote, the Wagner Group added to the deadly legacy of mines and booby traps scattered across Tripoli's suburbs that has made it dangerous for people to return to their homes. A credible and transparent international inquiry is needed to ensure justice for the many civilians and D-miners unlawfully killed and maimed by these weapons. So these weapons are indiscriminate. These weapons are... really happens there. And you know, back... this ties in together with the Samsung article, with the Samsung tablet and everything... Well, it also showed that they were involved in placing these landmines and everything. And, you know, after, after Ukraine, where they were also involved in placing landmines everywhere, I'm not in surprise of, of this at all. Because, well, let me repeat myself, back when I was on my second trip in Ukraine, when I was straight to Bucha, I saw the mine places, I saw how everything was mined there, and... Um, you know, when a landmine in a building is very blatantly obvious, it's just a hand grenade with a string tied to it, and, and the grenade is placed in a shoe, and I'm just, you know, s- standing there and, and asking the sappers about, well, you know, who's going to blow himself up? I mean, it's obvious that the mine is there. And the guy just coldly looks at me and says, well, it's not for you, it's for the kids. I mean, a lot of people state that in this war in Ukraine, we forget the atrocities that have happened elsewhere. And they somehow tend to portray Russia and Putin's government and everything of this as some sort of defenders of of these situations of the global south, but this is clearly not the case. There there are also kids dying, and there are still the kids dying now in Syria, Libya, and, and Central African Republic, and Mali from the atrocities that Wagner Group has been performing. Sure, the Ukrainian army has their own issues, and although I do not consider Azov Group to be Nazis, I do have to admit that they certainly could have a Nazi problem at some points. I mean, definitely every country has some neo-Nazis, but the percentage-wise, if you look at the, the most neo-Nazis per soldier out there, Wagner Group definitely is really high up there with the, uh, with the SS troops. Azov Group is way below. And let me remind you that in Ukraine, there's also other groups like, um, like Rusich or the Imperial Russian Legion, Rusic is led by a guy who uh, had posted videos on how he murdered animals as a kid to practice and steal his resolve, and he blatantly calls himself a Nazi. He also published a handbook on how to torture captured soldiers and all that whatnot. Yeah, I mean, sure. Of course, I do have to agree that in no war there are saints on on anyone's side, but uh, I sometimes get confused when people who are maybe not from the Western world or something, somehow defend Russia in all this situation, when the people who actually live in these areas where Wagner Group steps in, well, they can tell you how they will just mine everything and how they will be callous and how they will 
utterly disregard human lives anyways. Wagner Group, the orchestra as they call themselves, they even go outside their way to basically publish advertisements and recruiting ads on, on Telegram channels and everything. Prigrozhin is a vile, vile man, and I don't even know what's going to happen if he, for some unknown reason, ends up deciding to make a power play in the Russian political arena. It's all going to end up pretty weird and confusing. And of course, well, at least at this point, Russia, well, doesn't deny the whole association with the Wagner Group. At least that's good. But at the same time, Russia itself is not immune to all these activities by private military companies. See, violent crime has risen by about 25% since the beginning of the war. And uh, this is a tangent, yes, but it's at the end of the show, and it kind of ties into this whole situation. See, it turns out when Wagner Group and later on the Russian military went on to conscript soldiers among the prisoners of the Bratva and of, among all the most ruthless people out there. You see, these guys, yeah. Like, no one's gonna write down on papers who's gonna go serve the Wagner Group and who's now released. They just, you know, skip the paperwork altogether. Which means that right now in Russia, a lot of dangerous criminals decided that, hey, I have a lot of money, and I don't kind of want to die in Ukraine, so uh, the Wagner Group is recruiting in my prison. So they just blatantly paid off the prison guards to write them off as Wagner soldiers, because no one's going to notice anyways. If they die in Ukraine or whatever, they're out for money. And the returning private mercenary company soldiers are not among the nicest of people. So once again, violent crime is on the rise, it is going to happen to rise all the way through. Oh, and uh, uh, do I have to mention that neither in Libya or in Syria anywhere, this Wagner Group involvement with their landmines even boosted stability? One of the documents that we have is that Italy's Kopasir says no stability in Libya in presence of Wagner mercenaries. This was published on August 29th of 2022. Quote, the Parliamentary Committee for the Security of the Republic, in Italian Kopasir, has expected Libya to be destabilized. The website added that the permanent conflict and the potential growth of Russian influence resulting from empowering Khalifa Haftar does not allow at this point any room for positive progress towards stabilizing the country, which would be of critical importance to Italian interests, especially within the management of immigration flux and energy resources. That's very legalese, and that's, you know, again, we're stepping away from the human language, but it just shows that what Wagner does in your country is rape your people, rape your women, kill your people, uh, place landmines everywhere, loot everything that they can, and that there is no profits to be gained. And Mali right now is learning that the hard way, and that they're not even really pretending to be nice guys in Ukraine. Again, it might sound rushed by me, but... Whenever I make Wagner Group episodes, I end up being very hateful once again. But that is, it is what it is. I mean, at one point after being so focused on the war and all this time, it's really hard to get the hate out. And yes, yes, dear listeners, I am getting some therapy help. Weirdly enough, it's actually kind of helping folks in my work. At least I know that, you know, I'll have some morning to do when the war is over, but until then all I can do is inform you about the whole situation, and maybe, maybe if you're in a country that can do something about it, or maybe if you're in a situation as a listener that can influence the events in some way or another, maybe you can help. That's the best I can hope for anyways. All in all, that's it for today. До свидания, товарищ. And remember, no matter what, happiness 
is mandatory. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.